Thanks for tuning in to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast, Safe Talk, with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. What's going on, everybody? It's Billy here. I'm alongside my partner in crime, Jenny Hunter. We're bringing you another episode of Safe Talk. Jenny, what's going on with you? Oh, you know, Billy, we had snow last night, and all of the land is covered with white, and it's just, to me, it's so calm. Well, there's there's no wind, so, you know, it is calm, but (laughs) it's just a blanket of snow, and it's peaceful, and I I love it. A lot of people do not like snow or snowy areas, but boy, do I love it, especially this time of year. I'm excited that it's already snowing, so hopefully we can have some snow for Christmas. Yay! How are you doing? Hey, I'm the exact same way. I love the snow, love the cold, love this time of the year. I really do believe it is the most wonderful time of the year, like the good old-fashioned Christmas jingle that we all love so much. I'm a huge fan. I'm locked in. I'm loving it. We're locked, and I really think that this is a great time to really uh, focus in on what you want to get done, be around the right people, be around family and friends, and, and just talk and listen and be great to each other. So I think this is all tying in perfectly into our great episode today. We're feeling good, looking good, playing good, and we're going to rip into our continuing discussion where we talk about understanding the causes of suicide. But before we dive into the topic, we also want to let you know that we want everyone involved to be involved. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to be a part of this conversation in any way, please feel free to reach out to me personally. My email is william.floyd214 at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all social medias with the handle at one Billy Floyd. So there's my information. Jenny, why don't you hit them with yours? Sure, Billy. So uh, you can look at most social platforms for JR's Hunt for Life, and you will find me there. You can message me through that platform. You can email me at jlh35 at hotmail.com. I'm going to give you my phone number, 307-259-6032. any, you can text me at that number. You can go to the internet. I know that's kind of old school, huh? <laughs> but JR's Hot for Life is on the internet. We have a website. So, and you can reach us through some of these platforms that our podcast is on, like Spotify. You can send us messages and we can uh, talk that way. So, yeah, there is. No way that you cannot reach one of us, right, Billy? I couldn't agree more. We're everywhere. We're open. We're on it. We're ready to go. It's quite like how we're ready to go for another episode here. Like I said, we're talking about understanding the causes of suicide. We've done numerous episodes on this topic. We've talked about disorders, 
and mental health conditions. And now we're talking about stressors and risk factors. The last episode we talked about discrimination and bullying. We're going to try to tackle at least two more today. So, Jenny, why don't you go for it? All right. Well, thanks, Billy. Uh, And I want to say before we get into this, again, I want to remind everyone that these things that we're talking about are not in any special type of order. Um, They are causes that have been studied and there have been data uh, connected to these causes. So they are legitimate causes of suicide. Um, And that's why we want to talk to you all about that, because if we can understand these causes and understand how we can deal with them and handle them for ourselves as well as others at risk, then we can all save lives. Now, um, another thing, these are not all-inclusive. So people ask me many times, what causes suicide? And I have to tell them there are as many causes as there are human beings. The main predictor, though, is loss of hope. So any of these causes can lead to a loss of hope. And loss of hope, like I said, is the main predictor of suicide. When you see someone that has no hope, uh, and you will know when you see that person, if you know that person, you will know that they are close to being at high risk of suicide. So uh, tonight, we're going to start with access to lethal means. Now, I had never heard of that. Uh, It is actually uh, a term that counselors and therapists are using. It's lethal means therapy and counseling. And research from just last year, 2021, indicates that access to lethal means predicts suicide because of the impulsiveness of many suicide attempts. Um, And the um, lethal, um, uh, the, the, I, I I can't think of the word, but the lethalness of firearm is irreversible, mainly. Yeah, I mean, not many people will survive uh, suicide attempts with firearms, um, where uh, overdoses and things with in, involving drugs or maybe asphyxiation, things like that, um, may give person some time to recover and may give another person some time to revive that person, get them some medical help, and help them recover. So that's what they mean by access to lethal means, indicates that access to those lethal means predicts suicide. And the more deadly the lethal means are, uh, the more likely that that suicide attempt uh, will cause death. So Let's talk about that. Lethal means. What does lethal means mean? So lethal means safety, that there is an acronym for that, L-M-S. Lethal means safety is an intentional voluntary practice to reduce one's suicide risk by limiting access to lethal means. Now, 
What are lethal means? Lethal means are objects like firearms, knives, medications, rope, those things that can be used to uh, inflict self-directed violence uh, when attempting suicide. So I think we can all understand that some of these things are more lethal than others. If you are being impulsive, if the person is being impulsive uh, about uh, suicide. So let me read uh, a little about a little bit about this. So uh, there's a lot of lethal means safety being taught. It's a new thing. I'd never heard of it, and I'm 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 kind of excited about it. But this will only work if you know someone that's at risk. If that person, if you know a person that is at risk, then you can uh, talk to them about lethal means safety. What does that mean? That means you can reduce their access to lethal means uh, during the time that they may be at heightened risk, or um, you can remove their firearms, uh, ask them if they will give those to you, ask if they will give you their medication and it can be locked up and administered daily or whatever the case, ask them if you can remove their knives, things like that, that that are lethal means, things they can use to try and take their life. Um, and it's absolutely the truth that if we can restrict access to lethal means, then people um, people may be less impulsive. I mean, the thing won't be there for them if they feel like being impulsive. And it has proven to be one of the most successful strategies in preventing suicide. And I can see that because if you do remove the lethal means, then it's not going to be there uh, if they are going to uh, behave impulsively. Now, there are those that um, plan it out because we've talked about if a person has a plan and a place and a time, then they're planning it and they're not being impulsive. So we're talking about two different things here. Um, we're talking about removing the objects that they could use if they're going to be impulsive about it. Um, let me read another definition. What is lethal means? It, it, it refers to a method that one uses to attempt suicide. The term lethal is important uh, because some methods are more harmful or destructive than others. For example, if someone chooses to use a gun, uh, the act is quick and almost always irreversible. On the other hand, other methods like um, overdoses of pills or inhalation of chemicals um, gives uh, the person more time to consider what they're doing, and it gives the rescuer more time to save that person's life. So what can we do? What can we do to help reduce the risk of that person. So there, is, there are some things that therapists teach uh, to help reduce the risk of, uh, let's start with medication overdose. So 
one of the things are um, um, pharmacies and physicians are only giving individual pill packets instead of 30 or 60 or 90 pills at a time. Uh, and those are those are done by professionals. However, we as just an individual can talk to the person at risk and ask them, can you can would you be willing to um, to give someone those pills and let them give them to you daily and they can keep the pills locked up. You won't know where they are and they'll be administered by that person. I mean, I can understand how that would work if a person is really trying to uh, abide by this type of plan. Um, so here's some steps they recommend. Never keep lethal doses of any medication on hand. Work with a doctor and pharmacist to make sure you have a safe dosage in your home and work with the other people that are in your home. Consider keeping medications locked in a safe place. Properly dispose of medications you no longer need. Now that would be if you want help and you're reaching out for help, these are some of the things that you can do. And if you are trying to help someone, these are some of the things you can suggest. Now, firearms, keep firearms locked in a safe place and ammunition stored ammunition stored in a separate location. Now that is just a given. I know that doesn't happen all the time, but if you have firearms in your home, you have to keep them separated from the ammunition. If there's no ammunition, the firearm will not work. So you keep those two things separated. And a lot of people, the adults will lock the firearms up and then lock the ammunition up in a separate location so that, um, you know, the, whoever it is does not know where one or the other of these locations are. Um, you can ask a friend or a family member to store the firearm for you uh, while you are seeking therapy or counseling or whatever you need to do to get healthy again. Um, and there are many people that will, and that I know of, that have kept firearms for people. And that that is something that, that is one of the most lethal means. I think that's probably the most lethal means. So that is a very, very important one. Um, and another one is check out a local shooting club or local police to see if they have temporary storage options. So I had never thought of that before. So that's another option um, for the lethal means of firearms. There are so many things that we can do to save a life. Now, um, that is if we are aware that someone is at risk. If we are not aware of it, which we have gone over in the past, if we are not aware of it, there's not a whole bunch that we can do concerning lethal means. So uh, let me tell you this, that approximately 90% of attempters who survive a non-fatal attempt will not go on to die by suicide the rest of their life. That is, that is encouraging. That is so encouraging. So if someone is using a lethal means such as a 
pills or inhalation or um, asphyxiation, uh, there is more of a chance of survival with, with those lethal means. Um, and so they've done research, and they say that over and over again, restricting access to lethal means, or they call it means restriction, can save lives. Uh, by, restri by restricting access to firearms and other highly lethal methods, the decline in suicide rates by that method and overall suicide rates begin to decline. Restricting access to lethal means does not always lead to fewer deaths, but is one suicide prevention measure that merits further research. And that is what they are doing. They are researching it. That it is catching on um, therapists and uh, counselors and doctors are all catching on to this model of uh, restricting access to lethal means. It is so encouraging, and I I just I love it. I have some more to talk about with lethal means. Let me look here and see what else I have. You may be getting tired of this. Are you getting tired of this yet, Billy? <laughs> keep it going. Keep it rolling. All right. So um, in the United States, just over half of all suicides are completed by firearms. Half, over half are firearms. That is lethal. That is the most lethal means of suicide. So, um, you know, there are many Americans it, it have firearms in their household and it's not going to change. But the the effort to restrict and introduce um, lethal means reduction is being implemented and um, it's being used in counseling, like I said, medical professionals, family members, anyone who comes into contact with a suicidal person should be able to talk to that person about suicide intent and uh, try to remove lethal means uh, and make them temporarily inaccessible to that person until they uh, are becoming healthy again. I can tell you that, um, you know, I, I don't want to be, this is not a negative thing, but I just want to tell you that, yes, we need to do everything we can possibly do to save a person's life. And I, I do know that my son, Jr. was a hunter. He had several guns. He had uh, rifles, hunting rifles, guns, you name it, knives, all kinds of things. And he uh, was agreeable to uh, let me remove the firearms and uh, things of that nature regarding um, the hunting things that he had. Uh, unfortunately, he did find another method. Uh, and and I, I'm telling you that because um, just because you have removed some lethal means does not mean that um, that person may not uh, live through their suicide attempt. Uh, and I'm sorry to say that, but um, that is what happened to me. However, I would definitely recommend removing all lethal means from a person that you know is at, at risk. And um, 
I just want to say that if we could increase the time and distance between someone uh, with suicidal attempt and and their lethal means, then we can help reduce suicide. It's just it's just it's it's common sense to try and get that person to agree to allow someone to remove those things that are immediately lethal that you know of. Um, And you may want to suggest to a person that's at risk that they talk to their doctor or their counselor about uh, lethal means safety, and they can continue that through their uh, process of trying to regain some brain health um, because we need to promote safety in all of their behaviors, not just the way they think, but in the things that they have around their house, the things they keep around their house. And let's say there's someone in their house that may not be them. Maybe they're the uh, owner of the firearms, but there's someone else in their house that is suicidal. And maybe they don't really um, see that they're at high risk yet. Uh, However, if this person is depressed or acting um, with some um, mental health issues or addictions, then that's the time to clean up your own household. Get those things out of the house for everyone's safety, not not just the person that's at risk, even though you may not think they're at immediate risk. It's just, it's so good to just work on that. And if that person sees that um, you're concerned, it may open the door for them to talk. And what do we talk about? This is called safe talk. This is talk saves lives. So if that person sees that you are behaving in a healthy manner and getting rid of all these lethal means, then they're going to know you care. And they may open up and talk to you. And that's just, that's another way to look at this. How do you feel about that, Billy? Yeah, I think you bring up so many great points. And when I think about access to lethal means, you know, I kind of have a, you know, comparison to when you think about, um, you know, maybe if you're trying to lose weight, right? You know, you're trying to, put off the pounds, you're trying to stay healthy. If you have junk food and sweets and all those treats mm-hmm. that you can't stay away from, if you have those mm-hmm. in the house, yep. what are you going to do? Obviously, you're going to snack, you're going to binge, you're going to go to town on all those food items. So you yeah. have to keep those out of the house. When you go to the grocery store, you don't buy them, you don't bring them home. It's the same thing if if you have maybe a little addiction to, to some kind of drug or alcohol, maybe you, mm-hmm. you, you want to try to stop, you know, smoking marijuana or drinking alcohol. It's like, well, if you have marijuana, if you have booze, you're going to always be putting it in your system. That's just how mm-hmm. it goes because we don't have that ability to just be like, yo, I'm done. I'm not going to be around this. And I'm just, I can have it here and I just won't do it. It's like, no, if you have it, you're going to do it. It's the same thing if you have, you know, whether it's, you know, some kind of pill or knives or guns or something that could really, really 
you know, change your life and end your life. You can't have that in the house. It's the same thing with having the substances you can't have, the food that you can't have. Just keep it away. Keep it out of the house. And maybe maybe you do need some things. Maybe you you need your knives for when you cook. Maybe um, you need certain pills for certain illnesses or whatever. Like, that's where you have to call a friend or a family member and say, yeah. like, hey, you know, I can't have this stuff in the house. I can't have it in my living area. So why don't you just hold on to it for me? Please, can you just take this? And when I need to take this pill, when I need to use the knives for cooking, you can bring them on over. I can give you a call, and then I can have these at a limited time, and that person will be there. So, you know, there's no abuse you know, that could be taken because there's going to be someone there with them the whole time watching them use the knives, use the pills, whatever it might be. So right. I really just think about, like, having the ability to say, look, I'm in a dark place. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, what would happen if I took my life, but I can't actually do that. So to prevent that at all costs, let's get this stuff out of the house. No lethal means around me. So mm-hmm. I can just not even be tempted or just, like, at my lowest point, end it and that's the last thing we want from anybody ever so right. that's my take on it we can touch more on this um after we take a quick break we're going to get a word from our local sponsors uh and then we're going to come right back we'll continue this conversation when it comes to access to lethal means and then we'll probably wrap it on up but in the meantime enjoy the word from our local sponsors local sponsors we're back here on safe talk it's billy floyd it's jenny hunter we just had a great discussion about access to lethal means the stressors and risk factors here is the topic of discussion overall and jenny you went on for a long time really diving in i added my two cents right before the commercial break and i think you know, it's a pretty good point about just not having it in the house, referring, you know, to the, the sweet snacks or the alcohol, whatever it mm-hmm. might be. Mm-hmm. What's your, as we kind of wrap up this episode, you know, what are your thoughts on what I had to say and what are some final closing remarks that you want to make here? Yeah, I, you know, this lethal means is so, so important, Billy. And I love the the your uh, comparison to having the junk food in your house because that is absolutely true with me. Absolutely true with me. I mean, if if I have if I buy now I'm the grocery buyer, right? I buy the groceries for the household, and if I break down and buy it at the grocery and bring it home, if it's there, I'm gonna eat it, even though. I am. I know that it's not good for me. Um, I know it's not good for my husband, but I have a weak moment at the grocery store. I'm being impulsive, and that is such a great comparison because once I bring it into my house, 
once I purchase it and bring it into my house, I'm a goner. I mean, I'm just, I'm totally a goner. I have no willpower where that uh, is concerned. So that is a great comparison. Now, let me talk about a minute about having, you talked about having alcohol in the house and things like that, which uh, comparatively speaking are, are safer things. Uh, you know, if you're not suicidal, you would think alcohol would be, you know, okay to have around. But let me tell you, I have more than one friend that I have made through this journey that ha- has a relative or a friend that had been drinking and had taken their life with a firearm while they were drinking because of being impulsive and whatever alcohol does to the brain. And we all know alcohol is a depressant. And, you know, I, I, um, as I've spoken before, I'm also um, a first responder with law enforcement and I have been to um, scenes where the person has uh, been in a fight with their significant other, uh, been drinking, and used a firearm. So there's a combination right there that is lethal. Uh, You know, you don't have to just have one lethal means like a gun. It can be the alcohol and then you bring in the lethal means. So I would say that I'm not going to classify alcohol as a lethal means. However, in this situation, if someone is at risk, I would remove alcohol too. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because um, alcohol definitely distorts uh, your rationality and your clear-mindedness, so to speak. So once that is distorted and you have that compounded with uh, any type of mental illness or depression or fighting at home or what a depression, uh, maybe you've lost your job or you feel hopeless, whatever the case. So you put that in combination with one of the lethal means that we've been talking about. It 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 is a deadly recipe, and uh, I you know these these people, you know they're not all going to reach out. They're not all going to reach out and say, hey, uh, I'm in a dark place. I feel like I'm suicidal. I don't know what to do. And we would love it. We would absolutely love it if everyone that felt suicidal would reach out to us. I mean, we could reduce suicide, prevent suicide so much if everyone reached out and talked, but they don't. And so that's the time that if we see someone is at risk, if we see they're depressed, if we see, if we have uh, some concern about their safety or their mental health, we are the ones that need to reach out. We can reach out and we can work a plan with them and we can reach out to their family, work a plan. You know, you don't have to do it by yourself. You can get a team of people to help. It's it's something that we all have to work together on. Um, you don't, you know, you don't have to do it by yourself. If you're concerned about someone and you don't know how to approach them, 
then get a friend. Uh, why don't you talk to their family members or some of their friends or whoever it may be and decide what to do. I mean, I have veterans team up to help their buddies and they will call me and say, how do we do this? What do we do? What do we say to them? And we know that veterans, um, 22 a day in the United States, take their lives. Uh, that's the latest figure. And veterans almost always have lethal means. They have guns. Some of them have pills, alcohol, whatever. I mean, they're not a whole bunch different from us. However, their suicide rate is. It's higher than anyone that is not um, a veteran. So, uh, you know, don't, don't be afraid to reach out to that person's friends, family, whoever you can think of, coworkers, and get together and work a plan. Come up with a plan and discuss with uh, them how can we remove the lethal means from this person? What can we do? Um, don't reach for don't don't wait for them to reach out to you because, like I said, uh, the majority of the time people do not reach out. Uh, they don't really have statistics and data on that because we don't know. We don't we don't know. Suicide and suicide thoughts are so insidious. We do not know. All we have is the data that's collected from uh, the people that do reach out and the ones that don't then we don't know so uh, wow what what a great subject to talk about because we need to reduce lethal means when we know someone or we even think someone is at risk and this gives me new hope because if we can reduce and remove those lethal means we can definitely save lives and I it's it's I love I love this study. I love everything about it, that it's, it's catching on with therapists and counselors and physicians and facilities. And so this is something that we may go on about in, at a different time, but I really appreciate everyone um, bearing with me and listening to all of this. Um, but you know what? We're all learning to save lives and we're doing it together. Right, Billy? You know it, Jenny. You know it. We're doing it as one. It's a team effort. It's a heck of a group. I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And you're leading this charge, and you started this wonderful empire years and years ago. Yep. And here we are just building on this, and we're giving back in a way where we don't want to see anybody not be a part of this. We want to see everybody be involved. We want to see everybody talking the talk, walking the walk, listening at the highest level, and really just showing compassion, love, empathy, everything positive that you could ever ask for. So I'm excited to see where we go next. I'm excited for another great episode in the books and to many more in store. Jenny, you have a wonderful night. Everyone who's listening, thank you so much for all of your time. Y'all are fantastic. We'll see you all very soon. Yes, we will. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to JR's Hunt for Life Suicide Prevention Podcast Safe Talk with Jenny Hunter and Billy Floyd, where there are no judgments and talk saves lives. 
Jenny Hunter is the founder of JR's Hunt for Life, a suicide prevention nonprofit movement offering hope and support globally. I'm Billy Floyd. I'm a podcast host, a media broadcaster, and most importantly, a positive influencer. Sounds of Soul Music is courtesy of Fearless Motivation. Find out more about JR's Hunt for Life at jrshuntforlife.org.